1: Well, good morning. Good morning. My goodness. It's a beautiful day in DC. First day of school here in the Maryland area. And I am feeling it. I did five events this past week. And how are you doing, Dr. Andrea?
2: I am doing wonderful. Uh, Feeling better today. I had a a little bit of a slow weekend. wasn't feeling the best, but you know what? I'm feeling better now and determined that everything's going to be just fine.
1: (laughs) Well, do not feel bad that you weren't feeling the best. (laughs)
2: <laughs> well, I will try not to. Thank you. I for mean, it's
1: it's it's actually it's actually almost impossible. You, you know why? Uh,
2: you have, uh, beautiful shirt, by the way. And I think that's oh. why, because your sh- is one of my favorite colors. Well, thank it's you. My favorite color, sage green, is my favorite color.
1: Well, awesome. So, because you have been on this planet a while, as have I, and has as our guest that we're about to meet. Feeling your best is competing with 365 days times the amount of years that you have been alive. And actually, that's a long time to be living to be the best. I mean, the very best. So don't feel, don't be too hard on yourself. I I don't think I've ever said I don't feel my best because I don't know if I can compete with that day. That's going to be a big day to compete with. <laughs>
2: Well, I'd like to, every day to be my best. How about that?
1: You know what? That is, uh, that's almost going to diffuse the fact that there is one.
2: <laughs> I'm okay with that. I'm okay, okay if every day is so good that I'm like, wow, this has just been an amazing world. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, good. I guess this is something to go for. All right. So what did you do? Uh, any events you've been doing?
2: Um. Uh. I have. Uh, Well, no, no, I haven't. I stayed home all weekend. I didn't even go to events that I hosted. Uh, We hosted an event and stayed at home in bed. So we had a a big party. party You
1: have another amped up event coming up, right?
2: uh, We we don't have it finalized, but it looks like we'll be having one in September at the end of September. So that'll be fun. I don't know all the details yet and it's not worked out, but looking to planning on that.
1: Well, because I want Richard to be on our show today. Um, yeah. And I don't want him to come in like the last four or five minutes of the show. I'm going to really abbreviate and highlight the schedule I've been on for the last five days that well, I can't get to all the to- photos. Can't get to all the photos. So here we go. Chef's Expressions had an event um, I think it was. Uh, did we talk about that one? Paris versus.
2: You haven't. That that was what a birthday party, or I couldn't. No, no, that no. Anything.
1: That was that was just uh, the French taking on California, you know, and <laughs> in this case, uh, the French did rather well, um, but California won back in the day to put California on the map as a legitimate winemaker, worthy okay. of recognition and actually purchase power. So that was that, um, Doug Buchke so has network. had, yeah, level 10, had an event, uh, mega networking event at Braglio farms, phenomenal location. I mean, one of the best locations, uh, to have an event that's just very spacious, super high quality food, big, uh, props to Roman Braglio, uh, just a really cool human being who has a high standard for a farm that. I think has that, I don't know, Dubai kind of feel. I mean, it's he really pays attention to detail and and brings it. So that was a great event. Friday, uh, Jose Escobar invited me to Traveling Brothers um, Cigars. And it was the prestigious preview event of their grand opening. It's happening, I think, September 23rd, if I recall. And just high-quality guys there attracting really Uh abundant beautiful leaders and then that led to i think three events turned to saturday first was with adrian kennedy and that was uh, creative minds expo he attracted really super big influencers went to another event uh, and that was the songwriters second annual uh event at this at uh, george washington university and then finally dr renee allen with her Pan African event at the Civic Center in uh, Silver Spring, Sunday, because I was looking at Pacific time for some reason, I went to the event three hours early, and that was the Art Recovery event where they had 35 authors, I mean uh, artists, providing and selling their artwork to help with recovery of addiction. So, whew. and that's with no note cards. I mean, if you look around. I have like papers everywhere. There's no note cards. Nothing's feeding me. I'm not reading a prompter. I mean, that was the the streamlined um, highlights.
2: Yeah, because I didn't you miss one? The one you spoke
1: at? Well, I spoke at Creative Minds uh, Expo. That was the that was. Oh, the one that's what
2: at. that was called. Okay, I didn't realize the title of it. Um, I just yeah, because the, there
1: there's it. two titles for it. One's Cre- Minds, Creative Minds Expo, 2022. And the other one was the uh, New York meets DC fashion. So it was it was two titles. And Adrian, um, it, I hope he does another event because he definitely attracts the right influencers. And I know that uh, with the right marketing plan campaign, I think it could be just a star-studded event. He, he really did bring high-quality speakers. Love love what wow. he created. Yeah, you know he's got a like uh, was- he he has this. Uh, uh, he has this app. I think it's Woova or something like that. Let me see. Woo-woover. Oh, yeah.
2: It's me- W-H-O-V-A. I talked to them a couple of years ago about being a sponsor for a client yep. um, who has a thousand person event. So I've been in touch with um, Hoover, uh for years. Um, yeah. We've just never figured out a way to all work together uh, collectively. So um, I actually just reached out to them again for a client next year. So
1: there it is. Hoova. So Hoova was the coordinating app for this uh, lovely event. And I, I, I just really was impressed with the quality of the people, the IT, the app application. And I just know Adrian has the key ingredients that most people don't have to make a, an amazing event for a second annual. So I hope he does. Let's bring him in.
2: So let me see. Oh, really? if, uh, yeah, I can't see him at all. So I will ask him to start the video uh, from my end. And now I can see him.
1: richard i can see you and and i almost want us to do this at the same time so that we are together that's very nice
3: (laughs) there we go yes i I got it immediately
1: (laughs) so
2: i didn't get a chance to love on our sponsors so let's do this and so i'll give you the big t yes this is oh and include
1: richard's include richard's sponsors since he's here
2: Well, I certainly can. Uh, We want to thank the Red Carpet Connection, the Umbrella Syndicate, Voice America Influencers Channel, uh, Ample Affluence, Perfect. Publishing menfashion.com, mymakeuplady.com. And we are here with Richard Villansana for Forever Homes for Foster Kids. And we're so happy to be supporting him with what he has going on. Let me tell you a little bit more about him. He is the founder of Forever Homes for Foster Kids, and he's a leading international expert on immigration issues and foster families. He's a proud Navy veteran. Thank you for your service. And he's been featured on CNN International, Univision, AP News, ABC TV, Costco Connections, Wish, TV Indiana, and the Washington Post. He's the author of the book that will be released next month, and we're doing things out of order normally, but there's a reason for that, and we'll be sharing that with you. The upcoming book is called Do No Harm. It's about the government's efforts to reunite thousands of children separated from their parents at the Mexico-U.S. border and and, and the current uh, foster care crisis. He's a columnist with Foster Focus Magazine and an international speaker, and he was honored in California as a California hero, and he has trans related for United Nations. And for nearly 30 years, his nonprofit has worked with government agencies across the country to find families for immigrant and foster children to create a permanent home. He's really doing some really amazing work. So proud of you, Richard. So glad to have you here and so glad to call you friend.
3: Thank you so much.
1: So, Richard, when you hear that bio, are you kind of pinching yourself and saying, is that me or is that um, is that Andrea?
3: That's uh, more like, wow, I can't believe I did all that.
1: <laughs> so I, I I don't like cursing because my son's going to watch this show at some point. And I just want to say, damn, you're a badass. <laughs> oh, and that was you. a double curse word. <laughs> so um, some people that are listening right now, to include me, and I didn't read your story yet. or just hope so I apologize. We're moving our, our protocol to a week out or two weeks because when I do five events, I feel... A little unprepared for a show like this, but Larry King never read one word at all and did the most brilliant shows. So I have to say, this is Larry King uh, philosophy we're going to do today.
3: Yeah, <laughs> sounds <laughs> excellent.
1: Right. So why Foster?
3: You know, couple of reasons, and that is number one: I'm the oldest of nine kids, so you know, being in that position. I always had a very strong sense of responsibility for my brothers and sisters. And I carry that over into my life. So I'm the one who's always watching my nephews and nieces when we're at events, making sure that they're not running into the street and, uh, that everything's okay. And that also broadens out into my professional life that, uh, I have some skills, and those skills allow me to do something that very few people can do, and that is to find relatives, sometimes parents, of children that are in the U.S. foster care system. And when I talk about these cases, I mean these are the most desperate situations for kids where maybe in a matter of months, they're going to end up on the streets if we do not find a relative.
1: Well, thank you for that great answer. Why the heck do we care?
3: Well, people may not think that, you know, why do I care about a foster kid? What's it mean to me? There are so many ways that not helping a foster care child impacts our lives. Let's start with homelessness. So there was a study done recently that said when there's a 1% homelessness rate in a downtown area, it impacts that area. This is the only study that we know of that has been done like this. It impacted those businesses up to $27 million. Now, do you think that we're spending $27 million on helping the homeless? Probably not. And we're probably not spending anywhere near that amount of money to resolve those situations. But that's what it's costing us. So one of the things when it comes to
1: foster children, there are so many. Explain that Explain that cost again.
3: Okay. So if you have a 1% rate of homelessness, that means out of a downtown area of businesses, and we've seen this in San Diego, and you have someone who's sleeping in the doorway, you're passing by a few homeless people. When that number of people reaches that one percentile of the downtown population, It's turning away so much business that it turns away the equivalent of $27 million of business.
1: How how does it do that, uh, Richard?
3: Uh, Again, it does this by having that person nearby so people are skirting the business. Mm. Uh, They feel that that's not a safe area. So there's a safety element to this.
1: Uh, And so that's without it even being dangerous. That's just uh, perception.
3: Just perception, right. Uh, Panhandling. I mean, there are people... Let's be honest, you're walking with your two kids. Do you want someone who's coming up who hasn't bathed in a month? And some of these people are mentally ill, so they don't bathe at all. And Mm -hmm. so you've got someone like that, especially during COVID. Imagine that someone coming up or now with monkeypox coming up to you or your children, asking for money. A lot of people, they're not comfortable with that environment. And so they'll go somewhere else. They'll just say, you know what, we don't go to the businesses between Twelfth Avenue and Eighth Avenue. Well, that impacts those businesses severely because they're not getting the traffic they normally would. And these are things that we So why
1: do you care about this so much?
3: Well I care about this because these children are being impacted in their innocence. They did nothing to get in this position.
1: And let me address that right now. With you, well, well, wait, before you do, there's two conversations we're having right now. Okay. So one is foster kids and the other one is homelessness. And and yes, I know that there's an overlap there. I get that. Okay. But uh, what I want you to address for the audience is why do you care about foster kids and why did you bring up the homeless situation for business? Because there are two conversations. Am I correct? There are t-
3: two conversations, but like you said, they do overlap because yes. there is homelessness. Yes. Yes. So, for the foster kids, again, this goes back to my gift, and that is that years ago, I found out that I had this knack to find people, and like many things, there are people who are wonderful cooks. Now, does everyone know how to crack an egg? Sure. Do so they know how to put water and to put oil in to make a cake? Absolutely. Absolutely. But there are some people, they do it in such a way that they come out with the most gorgeous, tasty cakes. Well, that's their gift. They are baking savants. Now, everyone has these gifts. They have a gift. And sometimes people don't know they have these gifts. And in my case, I got lucky. Someone pointed it out to me because as a gift, because we do it so easily, we don't think of it as a gift. We don't think of it as being valuable. And again, I got lucky because someone pointed this out to me. And this will lead us into- Who you know, planned to out to you? Huh?
1: Who planned out to you?
3: Well, I was very lucky. I was working with uh, my mentor, whose name is Antoine Morrison. This is a gentleman who had handled multi-million dollar uh, you know, deals and uh, you know purchases for people like the Department of Defense, foreign governments. He does all throughout Latin America, Fortune 500 companies. And I'd worked with him. And so I had a great deal of respect for Antoine. How did you meet him? I met him actually through a conversation at San Diego State University, which is where I was a student when I just got out of the military. I decided to go back to college. And I'd gone to a lecture on international business. That's what I wanted to do. I'm out of the Navy. I want to go travel. And Mm -hmm. there's international marketing. And this guy was talking. I thought, that's it. So I said, start asking him all these questions about Latin America. And he said, Whoa, I don't do Latin America. So you want to talk to Antoine? He's the expert. So I set up a meeting with Antoine, talked to him, went to some of his meetings.
1: And uh, I'm not clear about the connection there. Sorry for all the interruptions. So why Latin America?
3: Latin America, because, uh, well, Viasana. So, um, my family, we can trace our heritage from a place called Villasana in Spain, near Burgos. Uh, the story is there were three brothers who came over to the New World. They settled into what we call now Mexico, into places like Guadalajara, Mexico City, and uh, a little further north. Mm-hmm. So everyone who has that name came from the you know my ancestors who came from that one area of Spain. So I have a great deal of interest in. You know, Mexico, my Latino heritage. Also, I spent time down there. Spanish was my mind. you say you college. spent
1: time, are you talking about jail time?
3: Oh, no. I may have passed <laughs> a few jails, but never in jail. Um, no, I lived in Tijuana for 10 years. I was
1: a very safe to- city. Definitely one of the top three. Uh, I think it's one of the top four dangerous cities in the world, isn't it?
3: Uh, no. No. Um, Not at all. And um, I'm glad you brought that up. Well, no, seriously, because a lot of people, they read what's in the newspaper and there's a lot more going on behind that. There's a lot more of um, um, not wanting, you know, tourist industry. We want our tourist dollars to stay in the U.S. We'd want to go to Mexico. Uh, They had some problems down there. But, you know, this is some people have what I call geographic uh, amnesia. They forget about MS-13 in L.A. They forget about families that have been shot up. They forget that there are no school shootings in Mexico, people. There are also no guns being manufactured in Mexico except for the military. So the only time people are getting killed most of the time are from guns that are brought in from this country called the United States. So there's a lot of gun running going down. You're right. Most people don't know this. They have big signs going towards the border saying, do not bring your gun it is illegal to bring your gun it's illegal to bring your ammo so that's something you normally don't hear about in the press because they don't want you to know this now bravo bravo uh <laughs> no and i appreciate you bringing that up because there's lots of misconceptions and they also extend into the foster kids which we'll get into in just a moment but they well no I,
1: I appreciate you taking that on so uh heavily because Can I uh,
2: there i did look that up for you ken Um okay. so you're right and in fact they just issued in july a warning from the united states government that you'll be kidnapped or murdered is basically the declaration if you cross the border
1: yeah, I, I Richard, before you start, because I know you have some powerful to say. I just want to say, if you were to look at the top twenty five dangerous countries, Me- Mexico earns about ten of those spots in cities, and Brazil owns about ten of them as well. And little old Baltimore, where I'm from, or St. Louis, they kind of they kind of do their little prop to get in the u s uh, <laughs> um, world national dangerous city. So, You know, I'm very excited about this conversation. The main reason I'm excited because I wasn't trying to throw you, but you actually bit and you came back with great information. So thank you for that.
3: No, not at all. Um, Yeah, living down in Mexico, I have a different perspective because I've been there. And when I say I live down there, this is not like going to Cancun. This is paying the bills with everyone else. This is having the water run out every once in a while, like everyone else. This is crossing that border with everyone else, and
1: so to hablas español, see
3: me. I'm so when I speak it, it's with oh. a French accent. It's my fourth language. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Muy bien, en Trebian. bien.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it um, yeah, it does throw people off, but if it's interesting, I can tell a taxi driver that I'm speaking Spanish with a French accent, and immediately he understands everything I say. Really? There's just this little switch that goes off in people's brains when I say it's a French accent. Oh, now I know why you sound just a little different. So, (laughs) um, uh, but, um, you know, back to Antoine, I I met Antoine. We had worked together uh, with all of his background and we did two special events. One was we took this trip down to Mexico to uh, interview a lot of distributors. We were creating a distribution pr- uh, system throughout Latin America, which we did. Where, and, where was uh, that mean? Well, this means we wanted to have people in every country who would then sell U.S. manufactured products. Those were the companies that we were representing. So we represented dozens, more than 100 U.S. manufacturers. These were people who were making medical products like lead aprons that you put on when you go in for an x-ray, uh, the gloves, uh, the pieces of uh, products that they use to let you know was it the left side of the body, or the right side of the body. Uh, everything had to do with radiation, uh, so, liquids.
1: So I do have a question because sure. – I'm not sure how many of our audience have lived in Mexico. I've only lived in Mexico three weeks at a time, two times. And that was for an immersion of Spanish in Cuernavaca. And Cuernavaca back in the day, and I've heard it's not quite as uh, pleasant now. And by the way, that's possibly propaganda. How do you know you're going to a safe city? Because Cuernavaca, the eternal city of spring, uh, 70 degrees almost every single day, and you have 12 language schools, that seemed like a really great place to study. And it was, but it seems to have changed. I think uh, I've heard that the the language schools have, have left. And I don't want this to be the topic of the show, but I do want to clear up that when you Google dangerous cities and 10 show up that are Mexico in Mexico, how do you know you're in a safe city? How, how, what is this, this misinformation?
3: So it could be, because again, you know, we weren't too Now, were we concerned recently when they were doing things at the border? Yes. The problem was we weren't getting very accurate information. So on Friday, they had a lockdown. And so let's hit it head on here. So on Friday, they had a lockdown. They were going to have a, a curfew, everyone stay at home for the whole weekend. Well, by Saturday morning, that was gone. Everyone was crossing the border with their kids back and forth. By sun- Saturday night, Everyone had pretty much forgotten about it. Why? Because there were a few cars that were burned. Now, is that normal for the border? Absolutely not. You know, burning a couple of cars is not the norm for something that happens in Tijuana. But was it this massive takeover that we probably all heard about, of the cart- cartels taking over the border, stopping everyone? No. Was anyone shot from the U.S.? No. Was anyone shot from the Mexico? Not as far as I know. But we're really slow and bad about getting information. And that actually plays into the work I do, because what I do internationally is take information that most people look at and say, I I don't see anything. I I don't know Mm. what we're gonna do here. And I'm like, it's right in front of you, if you would read it. But that's with an assumption that people can look at the information, and it's in English, by the way, and can see what's in front of them. And there's a great line, one of my most favorite characters is Sherlock Holmes. He says, you see, but you don't observe. You hmm. hear, but you don't listen. And that applies to almost anything. You, you're doing this programming. This is what you excel in. You ta- you're excelling at talking. You're telling us about all the wonderful things you did this weekend. Now, could someone else do that? Maybe. But you have this gift that you're able to get out there and be talking in front of the audience without any cards. And you're just able to carry it off. Because that's who you are, and that's the gift you have developed in yourself that you're able to share.
1: You know, um, I'll add one thing that, that I just thought of is about the hearing and the, I mean, the the scene and the hearing is the thinking. You're thinking, but you're not processing. You're not connecting dots. You're not getting all the information. And that is kind of what this show is about. Have you ever by any chance met uh, former President Vincente Fox?
3: No, I have not.
1: So... When I say I met him, I do not think that I went to Mexico. I hugged him, and we did a, you know some type of skipping thing through the park. I met him at a secret knock for a brief period. He was one of the authors uh, signing books, and I got the pleasure of meeting him for, you know, minutes. And I took his picture with a key smiling card. and he is quite a hoot. He is the real deal. He's like you, actually. He's, he's a guy who really cares about the truth, um, lack of propaganda, dissuading people from actually connecting and embracing and also just being a thought leader he's just a, a brilliant man so i know we're going to break uh, very soon so i'm gonna have andrea take us out with our sponsors and we'll be right back in a minute
2: Thank you so much to Voice America Influencers Channel, The Red Carpet Connection, The Umbrella Syndicate, Perfect Publishing, Amplifluence, MyMakeupLady.com, MenFashion.com. And we remind you to love on the Keep where we save lives with smiles by creating a dose of hope to be resilient no matter the challenge. We'll be back after these messages.
0: To friend us on Facebook, you can do it right now. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for us at keyword voice America.
3: The Umbrella Syndicate amplifies good causes, good people, and good messages. They offer a suite of services that help people and businesses gain better exposure. Through working with the Umbrella Syndicate, you gain the ability to reach an audience of 50,000 unique people a week. They have recently reached over 20,000 followers on Facebook. You can view their photography and how they use it as a strong promotional tool on their Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash The Umbrella Syndicate. Show them your support by
1: liking their page.
0: Connect with us, and we'll connect with you. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on LinkedIn. Get the first word about happenings with the network, where our next live event will be, and what's up with our hosts. Look up Voice America on LinkedIn. We don't follow, we lead. Join us. The Voice America Influencers Channel. This is Amplify. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. We also would love to hear from you via email to info at umbrellasyndicate.com.
1: Now back to
0: Amplify.
1: This is Ken Chan on Voice America Amplify Channel. And, you know, a lot of people think this shirt is from Mexico. It's not. It's from Thailand. Uh, uh, this is for the country of Thailand. Men fashion could design something that's great, but I decided I was just in a mood to give a shout out to Thailand. Didn't know this was going to be Mexico Espanol type of theme. Otherwise I would have worn my, uh, at least some, I have shirts from Spain. I have shirts from Mexico that are soccer shirts. And damn, I wish I was wearing that right now, Richard, you did uh, such a great job. I want to give a shout out to um, Manny because Manny does similar work, has events that actually really thematically Talk about foster kids being taken care of to a point that they're inspired to become future CEOs. So that is where you and Andrea met. Is that correct? Correct. Mm-hmm. See how I connect dots.
3: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: <laughs> so we have uh, some dots to connect today. Uh, first of all, we didn't talk about Dose to Hope. First of all, I did not read it yet, but we're excited to put you in Part Six. So Part Six is coming out this month. Uh, we hope to have it up, uh, printed in hand by the 28th of this month. And congratulations on completing that. That was a, a two to three hour template for you to have a TED talk about how you created who you are, how you created your purpose, and then how you have impact in the world. Would you take your sweet time, but not go much more than three minutes of sharing how that experience was and give us some of what you should... well actually. I'm going to go four minutes, how you developed who you are, how you found your purpose and how that impacts the world. And then we're going to circle back to your book.
3: So with who I am goes back to, you know, uh, my upbringing and having been in the military and then uh, finding my, my gift and then following that passion. And they do talk about that. We hear that in books, but it really is true. If you can, Find what your passion is. That's number one is, is knowing what it is and then putting all your energy behind that. And then the other piece they don't tell you, though, is you got to be creative because just knowing that you're passionate about something doesn't mean you're going to find success.
1: So, Richard, you are you are doing beautiful about the second, and third part, but I want to know more who you are. So how did you find out your passion? And more importantly, where were you born and, and what was your childhood like?
3: So I was born in Houston, Texas. And uh, again, I was the uh, oldest of nine and, you know, had a pretty normal life, you know, went to school, uh, graduated, uh, started going to college, went into the military, uh, came out. They had dropped me in San Diego. So I was very happy about that. And uh, at that time then I met uh, my mentor, Antoine, and then we started for several years working Uh, in Mexico doing uh, business, marketing, sales, and uh, generally just having a great time learning about how things moved internationally. And during that time period, I found that I had a knack for finding very influential government officials that people didn't know about and getting into their offices and having them, you know, basically open their books and tell me everything about how to do business with the Mexican government. And when I'm saying Mm. this, I'm talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars in sales. We're not talking about, you know, a $10,000 sale here. My first one was a quarter million dollars. So it was well worth it to learn all this. And then from that uh, to becoming, you know, the person I am now, I had a situation with Antoine. He asked me to find someone pre-Google. And I found that person in five minutes. And he pointed that out to me. He said, look, this is, I've never seen anyone do this. And I said, well, I do it all the time. And he stopped me. He said, you're not listening. I came back and kind of chilled, paid attention, said, okay, what am I missing? He said, when I tell you I've never seen anyone do this, you know, my background, you know, all the things I've done, that means something. That's a skill. I said, well, I do it easily. He said, that doesn't matter. He said, "It's important to someone. It will be a skill that somebody needs, and that without, is the skill."
1: So without sharing your superpower, Richard, how, how how does one find who they want?
3: Oh, how does someone find out? You know, um, who they are, or uh, no, no, who
1: they want, who they want to to do business with, or who they want to uh, men- be mentored by.
3: That's a really great question. I was very lucky in that I kept asking. I would say in my case, I asked people, I was in Houston, I want to do this. And they all said the same answer, which was a terrible one. At that time, it was languages. They said, teach. I said, there's got to be more than teaching. They said, oh, teaching. And it took me going into the military, coming to California, going to the school out here to ask the same question getting a different answer. So I want to tell people who think that doing the same thing is crazy. That's not true. Sometimes we're doing the right thing to the wrong people. We just need to shift the people because I asked the same question. I got to California. They gave me a list. We've got 70 things you could do. If this isn't enough, you come back to us and we'll give you more. Remember in Houston, I had one teach. So that's Part of it, you've got to keep digging and looking until you find that connection. And for me, fortunately, I have a very uh, strong intuition that told me, you're right, even though everyone else told me I was wrong. And I finally got my answer.
1: And what was the answer?
3: The answer was that international business. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to travel. I wanted to be in different places.
1: So what, and- so what you're saying to our audience, uh, uh, just so that I... I not only get this, but our audience understands that this is at a realm of brilliance and potentially genius, is that when you are an outlier, you're someone that doesn't think like other people, you're not going to find your answer as easy because most people are dealing with you and looking at you as in the realm of categorization of what you should be doing.
3: That's a great way of putting it. Absolutely.
1: Continue, good sir.
3: Well, at um, that point, I had that gift of finding people. And what happened is some of my colleagues and people even in Mexico would say, look, I have a relative. Can you help me find them? And I would do that and I would find them. And then word got out to other people. I started getting phone calls saying, hi, I hear you find people in Mexico. Oh, yes, I do. Can you help me? I'm like, that's not what I'm doing. (laughs) And it was really a reluctant person at the beginning because I was doing international marketing and I kept getting phone calls from people saying, help me find my relatives. And after about two weeks of this, and it really was very fast, I said, okay, maybe there's something here. So I started taking their cases, working that, still dealing with Mexico. So I was still traveling, still learning, still dealing with government agencies and then I finally got someone from foster care to come to knock on my door and say, Look, I have a foster child. They have a mother that's in Mexico. Can you help? And that's what got the whole thing rolling when it comes to foster care.
1: Well, to show how powerful you are, Richard, uh, we didn't plan this obviously. We didn't do a pre conversation before the show, but my son has asked me to ask you because he asked me this before the show and didn't know I was gonna be talking to you. He would like to find Uh, his billionaire um, grandfather that doesn't know he exists and was not biologically connected to him. So there you go.
3: Okay. Well, let's work on that one. (laughs) Um, You know, you asked me before about why foster kids. And for me, the answer is why not foster kids? Because they are a group of children that people think are bad. People think they're less, People think that there's something wrong with them. All those are terrible labels that foster kids get for something they did not do. Mm-hmm. They did not ask for bad parents. They did not ask for parents who are on drugs. They did not ask for parents who are abusive, who kick them, who beat them. I'll leave it at that because it gets well. Much no, worse. I'll
1: add. I'll add that it's the one thing you can't choose. You cannot choose your parents.
3: No, you cannot choose your parents.
1: You can choose everything else in life practically but you cannot choose your parents.
3: And so these kids are taken out of these abusive homes, and they're also taken out of homes of high neglect. Uh, there are always stories every week about someone who abandoned their child, someone where the police came, and the police are just horrified at how filthy the place is. You know, some of these kids live in such terrible conditions, you would not think this is the United States. You would think we're talking about Bangladesh. Or someplace like that where clearly that's where this kid lives. No, they live right here in Georgetown or, you know, Main Street, USA. That's where they live. And these things happen to them. Anyway, they have no ability to, you know, to choose. And so now they're in the foster care system. And what can get them out of it is finding their relatives. And if those relatives, if their background is Latino, like mine, and if they have relatives living in Mexico, I do. And we could contact those relatives. They might say, hey, I'll take them. Or they most likely will say, you know what? I have an aunt living in L.A. They could go live there. Hmm. Or I have an uncle who's living over in Atlanta, Georgia. They could go stay there. Happens all the time.
1: Yeah. So let me cut in here, Richard, because uh, I've made this point many, many times, but maybe it'll be a little more graphic this time is. If you have a foster child, and let's put them right in the middle of the scale, and they're abused and they're neglected, and they're actually getting all the wrong programming for causing chaos in society, that's that person that you hear about or read about someone saying they have a record this long forever because they've made all the bad choices because they never had anyone love them and they never got direction, they never got mentorship. You find that foster child and you save them from this negative cycle of going backwards to going actually forward, being loved, being encouraged, being inspired to do great things. Those are the kids that probably have the highest gratitude and will do the most with a chance. And in doing the most with a chance, you just saved countless lives, countless chaos and countless unknown ripple effect of all the stuff that will happen in a negative uh, sphere of influence. And so what you're doing is immeasurable
3: thank you thank you and you're right it is it's not just one child it's all the people that child will impact yes their community and as you said the ripple effect that's probably an excellent analogy because that's exactly it each child's that little rock that goes into the water and it spreads out so it's much more than just one child
1: And by the way, that ripple effect has two aspects to it, Richard, as you know. One ripple is a negative ripple. The other one is a positive ripple. And they're so completely different. You are talking about potentially those figures you were talking about with the successful businesses of how much you made because you knew how to contact the right person. That kid could be one of those people that causes hundreds of thousands of dollars to happen in abundance and solves problems, which is diametrically opposed to the destruction they could cause and the cost they cause society. So, absolutely, that's why I'm I'm very touched by this conversation.
3: And one other thing, they could also be someone like Simone Biles, who was in foster care, who fortunately her grandfather adopted her. Well, look at who she is today. She's a role model for girls around the world. She is our top, you know, Olympic athlete. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is. I, I don't know where the future will go for, for this young lady. Well,
1: and it also speaks to that that chance and that gratitude is they don't take um, they don't take a gift lightly. They, t- they don't take uh, caring and believing lightly. So I do want to talk about your book because we're going to go to um, rapid fire in about four or five minutes. So le- let us share the title of your book, uh, why you did the book, and what the I guess a couple of nuggets in the book are.
3: The book is Do No Harm. American Tragedy Continues, and the reason I wrote the book is because I am directly working with cases of those families, those parents and children who were separated at the U.S.-Mexico border in 2017 and 2018, and we have been working some of the worst cold cases, and when I say cold cases, this means someone's worked it, they couldn't find anything, it got shelled because, well, they didn't know what else to do, and then we came in 2021, and now we are receiving those cases. So we're going back through, unwrapping them, just like you see on a police procedural, and we are solving those cases and closing them and finding those parents that nobody else could find. And that's what we've been doing now for the last year, year and a half, is working those kind of cases. And we've worked some lighter ones, but we've worked cases, just to give you an example, where we got the parent's name, maybe another piece of information, and we were told that they lived in Guatemala. So that would be an example of a case we might get. That was it. That's all the so information. I
1: so you're on the show earlier than most because most authors send me their book. I read the book, and I interview them about their book. And uh, there's going to be a tell from Dr. Andrea why we did it in this order. But I want to ask you a question because uh, for a second printing, if you don't have this in, I, as a publisher and as a person who cares about Relating the topic to the impact of the topic, do you have, sorry to put you on the the spot here, but do you have a page or two that highlights all the foster kids, not all, the the foster kids who have made a difference in the world, i.e., did you know that so-and-so is a foster kid and they solved this problem in the world? Did you know this was a foster kid and they're one of the the most uh, uh, philanthropic people in the world, blah, blah, blah? Do you have that part in your book?
3: No, we don't. Um, that might be a great idea, though. For oh, It is a great edition. idea
1: because yeah. you need to connect the dots of who you're saving. You're saving a, a future hero. And and I, the reason I say this is I'm so about Amplified in this show that I'm so about Amplified in my publishing. I'm so about Amplified for my my authors. And by the way, there's never a book that's finished, in my opinion. A book always gets improved. So when you sell your lot of books, you can always add that page or two. Did you know? We have a book coming out called The Blind Coffee Table Book. And it is completely black because if you were blind, you would not see anything but black on a page. And it is Gail Hamilton's experience of traveling the world and seeing the sun black, seeing the Eiffel Tower black, seeing whatever you could think of black. But she puts in the back of it all these amazing blind people that contribute to society, i.e. they are people and they are humanity and they are future leaders if you treat them like that. Wow. So. Tell me uh, tell me something else we want to talk about that I didn't ask. Oh, actually Andrea wanted to give a reason why we are doing the show today. So do you wanna give that reveal right now, Andrea?
2: sure i'd love to so i'm dr andrea adams miller uh, so i'm the executive producer of the show and i'm Ken's publicist as well with the red carpet connection and so different things come across my plate at different times in life and richard villansana and i've been friends since we met uh, multiple years ago and he reached out to me and he said andrea i wanted to um have you uh write a little, uh, do a review of the book. I'm looking for influencers and people who've done amazing things. I know you've been in law enforcement and you've been a Casa guardian ad litem. So, and then do you have other people of distinction that you would like to contribute to the book?
3: And I said, Richard. (laughs) Yeah. I know someone named Ken. Yes, absolutely. And he would be a wonderful person. (laughs) And he was, and you did an amazing endorsement. Thank you very much.
1: My pleasure. And by the way, obviously I didn't read the whole book because I haven't had time to, but I did enjoy the topic. I enjoyed the passion and I enjoy the purpose of what you're doing with your book. So uh, it was without hesitation that I could give such a high endorsement.
2: Yeah, and it was an obvious choice because we're talking about kids and smiles and giving them forever homes. And I thought, wow, Ken being the co-founder of the KeepSmilingMovement.org, this is a beautiful fit for all of us to come together. And Richard and I have talked through the years about how we can merge and create more to create more smiles for foster children. So this is just a really great uh, way to come together. And then with us helping them you know, promote- the
1: look, I have to cut in because we have our, our uh, rapid fire coming in soon. I want to tell you an idea I have to expand on that idea I gave you earlier, because what I'm giving you is an idea of social proof. Social proof is that we actually have proof that if you take care of kids, they become future heroes. And those future heroes are actually the hope that the other foster kids have, that they can be that too. Because a foster kid may feel inadequate. They're missing some variables. Those variables are obviously missing, but that doesn't make them weaker. That makes them, in some senses, a lot stronger. So, I would encourage you to find and ask the question on social media. I'm sure uh, Dr. Andrea will help you. But do you know a foster child who is head of a philanthropic organization, who is an author, who is a speaker, who is an Olympian, who is doing amazing things that would inspire the world? And we make a collective of 50 to 100 foster adults or children. And we put a book together that we hand out to every foster care system, organization, et cetera, so that they not only have hope, but that they know what to do with it when they get that chance, and that and and that the foster care system can use that as a marking tool to people that don't know what they're about to get as a gift, not just that they're helping somebody.
3: That's a very interesting idea, and well, beyond interesting. It. I mean, that's a very amazing idea. My brain's going right now. So, thank you, well, very Richard. Much you for inspired
1: that. it. I, I didn't come up with this in, without you. You gave me all the juice that let my brain come up with something that I think would actually change the, change the outcome and change the result and get what you want, which is no child
3: harmed. I think it's an amazing idea. Have so why don't cool.
1: we go ahead and give uh, the information about how to get the book pre-sale and stuff, uh, the title again, website, et cetera. Go ahead.
3: So the book is Do No Harm. Uh, right now, uh, they can go to book.com. People can sign up to be on our launch team. Well, that means that these would be people who will help us to launch the book. It's September 14th. That's when it will be available for purchase. And uh, so we are looking for people to get the word out because everything about this book will help foster kids.
1: Well, I was excited because I I heard lunch team because I'm so hungry and it's launch team, it's launch team, okay, got it. All right. (laughs) Well, congratulations on uh, breaking our rule. We broke, you broke the rule by being on our show before the book exists. So I hope this makes a difference for you because it's something for us to look at that, hey, if a book can actually have more impact in the world, especially if it's a book designed to solve a major problem and also (laughs) give a gift to the world as you are doing, um, is something to look at. And you know, whenever I do a compilation book, I always scholarship 10% minimum of the authors that say, I just don't have the money. and I say you're the right person for the book you are in for free. And it's my and sometimes it's 20% and dose of hope, as you know, is hundred percent that case. And, and here's here's one for you. i got a challenge for you, Richard. If you'd like to have your message x times whatever, it could be 10x, it could be 20x, whatever you decided to be, you can, you can nominate as many foster kids and or adults that are doing amazing things in the world as proof that hope exists and nominate them for the Dose of Hope Project. I will be happy to pay for it, include them and allow this message to connect to your book. Is that cool?
3: Absolutely, definitely.
1: So let's go rapid fire because we have minutes left. So you know, rapid fire is quick question, quick answer, no, no elaboration. Book that changed your life.
3: That would be The Ultimate Sales Machine by Chet Holmes.
1: That is a great one. Amanda Holmes is going to be happy.
3: <laughs> <laughs> song that, that he great. played, he jazzed up and moving. Ooh, a song. Um, that would be We Can Be Heroes.
1: That's a good one. That's a good reason. That's Alessa, right? Alessa? Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, a movie that inspires you? In Figures. What is it?
3: Hidden Figures. That was about the three uh, black women who were in the space program. Oh yeah, yeah, that was amazing.
1: It was great, amazing. Great one. Yes. Thank you. I forgot the title of it. Thank you. Go ahead, Andrea. Uh,
2: can you go? Because we're out of time.
1: Okay. A uh, uh, hero you'd like to meet? Simone Wiles. Okay, and quote you live by.
3: If everything you do falls in, apart into a thousand pieces, don't be afraid to pick up just one piece and start all over again.
1: Um, marketing tip for you. That was a great uh, quote. I love the quote, but I can't help but say, um, because you're pre-releasing your book, here on the show. As you say, another quote is, by my book, it's called this. And
3: <laughs> by my book, it's called Do No Harm.
1: <laughs> amen. Amen. Because it'll make a difference in the world. So Richard, you've been amplified. Our show is about amplifying the life of leaders that create community and solve world problems and inspire hope. So thank you so much for spending an hour with us and trusting that your word can actually make a difference and actually being part of that. Thank you.
3: You're so very welcome.
1: So I am Ken Rashan on Amplified Voice America, and I'm going to turn it over to Andrea before I give my parting words. Go ahead, Andrea.
2: <laughs> uh, thanks to our sponsors, The Umbrella Syndicate, The Red Carpet Connection, Amplifluence, Perfect Publishing, Voice America, Influencers Channel, MyMakeuplady.com, MenFashion.com, and uh, thank you for always loving on www.TheKeepSmilingMovement.org, where we save lives with smiles by creating a dose of hope. Ken?
1: And Thailand. So if you know somebody who is a foster child, has been adopted, and is doing great things in the world, we encourage you to connect them to us. We will connect them to Richard, and we will expand his story of how a book, a message, and a purpose can make a difference to make the world better. Stay inspired and amplified. We'll see you next week.